Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God, and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Are we ready? Uh, Well, well, Anne's ready. Are we ready, everyone else? Fantastic. Well, I'm really looking forward to the word. Kelly always brings something, always brings something fresh. And I know that it's going to be powerful and life-changing for you. So um, I know you're about to sit down for a little while. You've already been sitting down for, for a little while already. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's get ready to put your hands together and let's give welcome and give Kelly an amazing welcome. Thank you. morning everybody fresh I tell ya my stockings are fresh if you're feeling a little bit tired today you can just stare at my legs for a bit because I've brought the energy do you love my my stockings right I know thank you I'm not sure if I've chosen the right outfit for the screen but I'm here now says we can't change that I have been following the Census. Did everyone participate in the census last year? I think you all probably did because you kind of have to, don't you? And I, I find the census fascinating. Um, and I don't know if you know or not, but um, the, there's so much data and interpretation in the census that it comes out in uh, waves, yeah? And right now, right now, a part of the census has come out about how Australia identifies regarding religion. Have you seen it in the news? I've seen it on Facebook, I've seen it on the ABC, I've seen it on the VCC. But what they're saying right now, and I've got a graph that'll hit the screen in a moment, and what they're saying right now is that over the last decade, there's been a 20% decrease in Australians who identify as Christians and a 20% increase in Australians that identify as having no religion. I don't know about you, has anyone seen this graph already? Give me a wave if you've already seen, yeah, there's people that have seen this. When you saw this graph, did you kind of have a moment of, oh, that's not great? Yeah, I did. I had a moment of, oh, that's, that's not great. And just kind of started to think about it and talk to the Lord about it. Because for me, and I know that Australia is not informed by my personal um, journey with my faith, but for me, my faith is the most vibrant and alive it has ever been. And so I just go, oh, how can that be, Lord? And you know what I really felt the Lord say to me? Is that, yep, yeah, 20% less people are identifying as Christian and yet 20% more people are identifying as no religion. But you know what that doesn't mean? That does not mean that there's been a decrease in people's spirituality. People, I think, and this is anecdotally, I'm not talking to any research at the moment, but me looking around my friends and social media and what's at the news and even what was at the market yesterday, 
people are engaging and talking about spirituality. You have a look at what people are buying for themselves and their homes. They're buying smudge sticks, which are like incense burning things to clear out negative energies. They're drinking from bottles that have got crystals in them. They're talking about energies. They're talking about resonance. They're talking about matters of spirituality. So I want to say to you today that even though that data says that people are not identifying as Christian, they're not saying that they don't have a spiritual nature. They don't have a spiritual nature. And what I want to encourage you today is that this is not the time to feel discouraged about your faith. What I'm saying to you today is that you're sure about your faith and it's actually almost better for others to say, no, I'm not a Christian, than to just nominally say that they are a Christian because they're part of a, like a, a Western country that that for the last few hundred years, just since colonisation, has been considered a, a Western Christian country, yeah? It is better. People are open to talking about spirituality. The other thing that has happened, and I, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here as to why maybe some people might want to distance themselves from Christi Christianity, is you have a look at what's happened to the reputation of the church in the media over the last decade. There's been talks about Western Christianity's involvement in colonisation. There's been atrocities that were so severe committed against young people and hidden by the church that there's been a national inquest. There's been public speakers, public figures like sportsmen and others that identify themselves as Christians speaking some really disrespectful, ugly words about people that are different from us, about people of other faiths, of other faiths about people who are same-sex attracted, about the transgender community. There have been some people that have been incredibly disrespectful. And the, and the church's reputation has taken a hit. Would you agree? And I think that we have to be sensible in this and say part of it is the church deserves to be held accountable for some of those things. And part of it, we have to identify, we have to agree, understand that the media chooses the messages that it sends out. Okay, so obviously the wider church, the majority of the church is great and brings so much to community and that's not always what the media talks about. Okay, but it is no longer good enough to say well, I wasn't part of that, that wasn't my fault. Like, that wasn't me, not me, I didn't do that. I didn't colonise Australia. I didn't, I, I'm not like disrespectful to people that are transgender. It's no longer good enough to say that, okay? Because at this point, I don't think that the, the wider community are necessarily listening to the words of the church. Oh, thanks, Robin. <laughs> But I don't think they're listening anymore. I don't think that the church has the standing that it used to have where influential place businesses and, and governments and stuff are necessarily coming to the church and saying, what do you think, okay? Because there's a bit of distrust there. We have some things to work out. I don't think we can any longer preach a message where we talk so loudly about God's love and patience and kindness and grace and healing and not live it. At the start of COVID, 
So let's say that was about 2020. Since the start of COVID, I've put on 10 kilos. Thank you. That's fine. You can applaud that. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Kelly, you're gorgeous. And yeah, I know. Okay. I know I'm gorgeous because my weight has nothing to do with how beautiful I am. Okay. So, and I mean, Look at these leggings, guys. Look at these legs. I've really highlighted them today. But over the last 10 years, I have put on 10 kilos. And as soon as the world kind of opened up for however many, the seventh time or whatever it was this year, I decided I'm going to go back and join a gym. So I set my goals. I made my plan. I made my decisions and started to execute those. My overall goal was I want to be a person who is fit and healthy. That was my overall goal, okay? Because I'm already hot, so I didn't need that as a goal. <laughs> and under that, I wanted to, I want to have, so to me that means that um, I have the energy levels that I need to do all the things that I want to do, yeah? I don't want to kind of, I, I kind of feel like I've hit this age where I look at some things and go, oh, I don't physically think I can do that, okay? So I, I wanted to kind of, rein that in a bit and feel fit and healthy. And look, I would really like to fit into some of my pre-COVID clothes because <laughs> I don't want to buy new clothes. I like those clothes, okay? So I started, I joined a gym. It was called the Women's Boot Camp. It was an outdoor boot camp class and I was going three times a week at 6 a.m. and it was outside. Come on, guys, you should clap for that. I know, thank you. I was doing that and I was going really well. Some of my friends joined with me and it was really exciting, yeah? But then it got cold, like really cold, like Melbourne cold. And I got tired as well because I was getting up so early in the morning to go to these gym classes plus doing everything else. And so it kind of dropped down to two times a week and one of those was in the morning and one of those was in the night, okay? And I did that for a bit. And then I fell down the stairs because I do that sometimes, apparently. <laughs> um, and so right now, I've, my gym membership is on hold. It's been on hold for two months, okay? And, and I'm trying to muster up the energy. I'm meant to go back this week, all right? And I'm staring down the barrel of quite an exorbitant cancellation fee. Sorry, Sam, I haven't told you about that. That's the first Sam's heard that. But look, it'd be fair to say that I haven't quite achieved my goals. Okay, I haven't achieved my goals. I'm still carrying that 10 kilos and I'm still feeling the same as I was feeling before. I haven't, I haven't achieved those goals. I've gone in the other direction, that's, but that's okay. But you know what else I didn't do? I didn't, when I started going to the gym, I didn't actually change my nutrition. I also didn't increase the amount of water I was meant to drink. You know, all these things that people say you should also do with exercise? I didn't do them. Um, and, and I actually didn't make sure that I got enough sleep. So I just focused on my gym sessions. And you know what the really annoying truth is? Being fit and healthy is not the same as going to the gym. No, it's not excellent, it sucks, but thank you. <laughs> No, but it's true. Being fit and healthy is not the same as having a gym membership. And in the same way, I want to tell you that going to church is not the same as being the church. And that's why today's message is called Don't Do Church. Stay. Don't do church. 
Because going to church is not the same thing as being the church. You know what? The world doesn't care if you go to church. The world doesn't need you to go to church. What the world needs is for you to be the church. Be the church. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to suggest today that being the church means being discipled and being a disciple. And that's exactly what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, isn't it? Being discipled and being a disciple. So what does that mean to me? Okay, to me, being, a, being discipled, so this is always two-way, yeah? Being discipled, to me, is simply being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others of faith. Now, that sounds really simple, but when I say being in relationship, I want to flesh that out a bit and say that what I mean by being in relationship is being willing to be vulnerable with each other, being willing to be honest with each other, being brave enough to tell the truth about what's going on for you and being brave enough to tell somebody else the truth if they need some truth spoken to them. And it is being willing to listen to the person or God that you're in relationship with and consider what's being said to you. That is what being in relationship is. Being discipled is not, in my opinion, going to church. This church, doing church, being at church, is not actually being discipled in its fullest nature. Going to church is super important. Obviously, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, like the Bible said that Matthew highlighted to us before. But, but big church, as it is at 10 a.m. on a Sunday for us, is actually just a gathering of believers. This hour and a half of being together in this building is not the church. It is one moment where we get to come together and... And it be together, but we're not necessarily being discipled. We're being taught, right? But we're not necessarily being discipled because being discipled is more intimate than that. But it is important. There is no way I'm not saying it's important. But what it's for is a church service is to feed you spiritually, to teach you. It is to give you opportunity to feed you relationally with each other and socially. It is to participate together in the expression of our faith and honour God corporately in worship. It's to provide opportunities to serve one another. It's for your encouragement and your nourishment. But it is not what should define your part in being the church. And it is not what should define you as being a Christian. And so if in the past people were just ticking, I, I don't identify as Christian because 
they went to church at just Christmas time or maybe they went to church on a Sunday sometimes, but that was it, then it doesn't really matter how they identify religiously. They're missing out on a whole lot of what it means to be the church. And that's what the world really needs us to be. The world needs us to almost de-emphasize our Sunday morning meeting and put more energy and thought and commitment into what we look like as the church dispersed. Because when we come together, it's, it's, it's great. We should come together. We want to come together. We want to celebrate together. We have to. It's good for us. But the church dispersed, as in when you go off to your workplace, to your home, to your neighbourhoods, we need to be putting equal energy and thought and time into that. Um, if not more, because imagine if our faith was just an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. How much are you going to miss out? Now, I'm not bringing this message today because I think that you guys aren't doing that, because I know that there are so many people in this room that are walking with God and being the church in their daily lives, and I am so proud to be part of this church. I'm so proud to be part of a church whose reputation in the Manningham area is increasing and who the council does now come to sometimes to ask questions of. All right? This is, not a, this is not a message where I want you to feel bad. This is a message where I want you to get excited about the possibilities because you have an opportunity to be discipled by God and by people around you. But you also have an opportunity to disciple. And that's probably the bigger thing I want to talk to you about today. What is it to be a disciple? So the word says, go and make disciples. And I, th I feel like that's a step ahead, right? Because you've got to go and disciple before you make a disciple. Like God's kind of gone the long game. He does that sometimes, you know. But you've got to be a disciple before you can create a disciple. And I'm going to just throw out there, and I'm not sure, so think about this for yourself, but I'm not sure that you can be a disciple if you're not discipled. Because if you're trying to disciple without being discipled, you're actually probably just going around telling people how to live their lives and trying to exert influence that maybe is not coming from the source of life. So I haven't done a lot of research into that. I'm just going to throw that out there. What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, being a disciple is being aware that every interaction that you have you have an opportunity and you do, whether you take the opportunity or not, you exert influence over the person that you're relating to. Every interaction. It is recognising that you hold living water inside yourself. You hold light. You hold truth and hope. And that you can share that with intention with those that you are in relationship with. And... When, and, and when you think of the relationships you have, that can cover anyone that you have a, rep a repetitive encounter with. So I'm talking right from maybe you go buy a coffee every week from the same coffee shop and you get to know the barista and those people, right through 
to your colleagues or your school friends, through to your family, your spouses, your closest friends, yeah? Anybody that you have a repetitive relation, like encounter with, you're in relationship with, you have influence over, or not over, but you have influence there. And if you engage your intention, you can share your living water, the light of God, the hope of the world. And I don't mean by shouting scripture and so overtly talking about God loves you. I mean by just you loving them. If you are being the church, if you are being the church, discipleship starts from that very moment. And what, so I've got three points. I've got three action points to kind of help us to move into being a disciple. But what it comes down to is that you want to be elevating and demonstrating who you believe God to be, who you believe you are, and who you believe the person in front of you is. If you can bring the truth of those three things with intention into your relationships, you are being a disciple. So what three action points might I suggest? There's three things. Reflect, elevate, and demonstrate. Reflect. When you, you have to understand that discipleship starts with you and God. It has to start with you and Jesus. And Jesus wants to plant a deep truth inside your very spirit, so deep down that it informs your actions. Psalms 51.6 says, I know you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit. So come into my hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. God wants to do this for you. And Matthew 7 says, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone, every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. This is a promise. But there is an action that you have to take and that is to reflect to ruminate, to think about. We put a lot of emphasis on our faith and our feelings and sometimes we don't put a lot of emphasis on our intellectual selves. You are smart people given the capacity to think and deduce by God. You created that way. So when you hear a message from the platform or maybe a conversation or maybe when you're reading the word or maybe it's a message that comes through the lyrics in worship. Whatever sparks your interest, think about it. Reflect on it. Give yourself the permission, give yourself permission to disagree with it. You don't often hear that from the platform, but I th- if you're taking a photo of me for social media, you make sure you get my legs in it. You don't often hear from the platform, feel free to disagree with it. 
And it's one of the things that I wish as a younger Christian I was told. I wish that somebody said to me, Kelly, it's okay to hear the minister at the front say something and you to disagree with it. That's okay. Because I think too often we, well, I'm going to just speak about my experience because I'm not really sure if it's your experience. But for me, sometimes I'll hear something that comes from the pulpit or even a lyric in a worship song and I'll go, that doesn't sit peacefully with me. I don't get it. I don't get that. I don't know if I agree with that. And sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a lot of room to go and say to somebody, I didn't agree with that. Can we talk about it? You know, and so in the past, what I've kind of done is been uncomfortable with it, dismissed it and walked away from it. You know what that produces? Really shallow understanding of your faith. That produces somebody that just goes to church and doesn't be the church. And what I'm saying to you is it is okay if I say something or anybody else up here says something that you don't agree with. It's what you do with it that matters. Because actually us coming up and speaking and giving a message, we're not giving this message to people just so you take it and swallow it blindly. If that was what was happening right now, I could not be a part of it because I would be terrified. Because <laughs> there's no way I can assure you that 100% of what I'm saying is... It is my responsibility to do my utmost best and research and listen to God and be in tune with the word. But I'm going to make mistakes, guys. Is that okay? It's up to you. So if you hear something that you don't agree with, don't dismiss it and walk away from it. Think about it. Ask yourself, why don't I agree with this? Do I not agree with this because... I don't want to do it because there are truths out there that are mighty uncomfortable and I don't want to do it, but that's not the same as it being wrong. It's just might take up too much of my time to actually do that. I don't want to do that, right? Or do I not agree because the person actually misinterpreted a scripture? Or do I not agree because of some other reason, because something happened in my past and that, that didn't emphasize that same word? I don't know. Reflect on it. Seek the truth, because those who seek the truth will find the truth. Go and see if you can find some scriptures that either reinforce what you're thinking or challenge what you're wondering. Speak to somebody that you trust that also has a faith and say, hey, I didn't. Now, don't go and have a gossip and say, oh, my gosh, Kelly got it so wrong when she said that. And did you see her leggings? Right. <laughs> but go and say, hey, I, I didn't quite. What did you think about this? I'm just kind of thinking about it. You know, be graceful in your approach, but talk about it. Because as we reflect on the truth, as we meditate on the word, as we think about it, this is a repetitious thing. And each time we do it, it pushes it deeper into our souls, deeper into our spirit, deeper into our understanding. And you know what happens when something goes deeper and deeper and deeper down inside you? It informs your actions. And the truth life. My next point is elevate. You can't elevate the truth if you don't spend time to reflect on the truth. But as the truth is elevated in your life, as the truth is 
elevated in your mind as you start to understand and work it out why you do what you do why you believe what you believe why you treat people the way you do it will start to inform excuse me maybe mute me for a second matt but it will start to inform your action. It will start to inform your feelings. It will start to inform how you think and how you treat people and you will demonstrate the truth of God. And when you are demonstrating the truth of God, that is you being a disciple and that is you being the church and that is going to be 24 seven because what will happen as the truth is elevated in your life, the, you will have the answers for the questions that are asked as your renewed self is demonstrated. Yes. When somebody says, you know what, I won't, I'm not going to share the details, but whilst we were away, we had something happen in our And it could have been really distressing. And it meant that I had to go speak to members outside of the family about how to manage something. And that person said to me, as I was saying to them what had happened that was caused not by any of my family, but somebody else. And this person said to me, Kelly, if I were in your position, I would be flipping out right now. I would be a mess, I would be furious, I'd be screaming at you. And look, I didn't take the opportunity to say it, but I did think that is because I have a deep understanding that what is happening right now that could be quite devastating is in the hands of God. And I have a deep understanding and revelation that God is in control of the things that I have no way of being in control of. <laughs> when you've got children and family members and loved ones out in the world, sometimes that is the only place you're going to find peace. So I didn't take the opportunity in that moment to say to that person, you know what, I really believe that God's got this in hand. But I will have opportunities in the future to talk about this. But once you know why, why you do things, when you know why you say certain things, why you react certain ways. If, if it is because you believe a truth and you're informed by the word and God, when somebody invites you to share Jesus because they ask a question about how are you so full of peace in such a chaotic world? How are you so happy in such hard times? How did you get through that really difficult period and still look okay? You know the answer. It's, we stand on a firm foundation. We're held in the creator's hand. People ask me regularly, Kelly, why do you do all this at Gannett? Well, because I believe that everybody in the community deserves to have food security. I believe that, that God cares when Families and children go hungry and we have the capacity to be part of that. And I believe that that is what God wants me to do because he loves you. 
That is my answer that I can say is fact. Just as much fact as when somebody else tells me that they drink out of a water bottle with an amethyst crystal in it because it brings them health. Sure. Like, people are very spiritual at the moment. Stand firm and don't feel silly to say, can I pray for you? Or I prayed about that. Or I believe this. Because everybody else is saying it. How much media do we have at the moment? How much information is thrown at us all the time? Do you think you agree with, what, 80% of it? Do you agree with 80% of the information that you see? I don't. Do you agree with 50%? No. No. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's less than 50%. And, when, and they're all quite confident in what they're saying. We have to walk in confidence. Yeah. We have living water. We have truth. But for you to be in that, conf- that space where you can be clear about what you're saying without being arrogant or disrespectful, you have to reflect on it. You have to get it deep down in your soul. You have to elevate it in your life and you have to yeah. demonstrate it. And that is my last point. You have to demonstrate the word of God. You have to be the church because the world is going to distance itself further from a group of people who just talk really loudly about how much God loves everyone and then is so disrespectful about other issues. Of course they are. If you come up to me and you start saying, Oh my gosh, if I encounter a new business and that business has great marketing and great social media and they say, we've got this great product and we've got the best customer service and we're going to look after you and you're not going to find a better product and this is going to change your life. It's going to take me one interaction with that company to know, well, for me to feel, not necessarily to know, but for me to think that their message is true or it's not true. And the church talks very loudly about the love and the grace and the healing and everything of God. And sometimes we're not great at walking respectfully and mindfully. Sometimes we're not great at being in relationship with people who are not the same as us. Sometimes we feel the need to very quickly correct them and hold them to an expectation to live like a Christian when they really don't believe in any of that anyway. We have to be able to walk with people in different faiths, in different lifestyles, with gentleness and love, being a disciple, sharing that love and concern and care for them. And when they say, why do you do that? That is when we have to have our deep truth ready to present. One last story. I want to remind you about the woman at the well. So Jesus came into the village and he sat at the well. This is, um, this is, it's on the screen. It's John chapter four, guys. I didn't put it in my notes, but it's in the Bible. I promise. (laughs) This is John chapter four, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to summarize it for you because I'm going to wrap up really quickly. Um, So Jesus comes into the village and he sits at the well and he sends his disciples off to get food. And a woman comes up about midday to draw water. I want to point out to you, back in those times, Samaritan women would draw water together in the morning. So the mere fact that she's there by herself at lunchtime suggests that she's outcast. Okay? And Jesus asks her for a drink. And she says, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink? Because 
we're not friends, right? And also, they're not really meant to be having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, particularly with an outcast woman. A Jewish man is not meant to be having an outcast a conversation with an outcast woman, particularly a Samaritan woman. He is not meant to ask her for a drink. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? Why would you do that? And he says, you know what? If you knew who I was in God, you'd be asking me for a drink because I would give you living water. And she says, well, you don't even have a bucket to draw water. What are you talking about? You're at a well, you don't have a bucket. You're not drawing any water. Where is this living water? And he says, if you drink from that well, you will have to continually draw water and drink from that well because you won't, you just have to continually go back. But if you drink from the living water from my well, you will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. And she says, I want that. I mean, yeah, I want that. It's interesting too that she is so comfortable speaking one-on-one -on -one and, and almost challenging a man. That also speaks to her character. And she says, well, I want to drink that. And he says, well, go, go grab your husband and bring him back. And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. Now he already knows this and he says, yeah, I know, you've been married five times and right now you're living with a man who is not your husband. Now he has spoken a truth that she's probably uncomfortable about, but he hasn't done it. He hasn't slapped her over the head with it, okay? But she does get a little bit defensive and she says, you must be a prophet. And she asks him a question and says, why do our fathers worship God on the nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is where we must worship? So she's kind of diverting the, let's not talk about me living with a man and having a five heart. Let's talk about that. You guys are worshiping funny, right? And he says, believe me, the time has come when you will worship the father, neither on the mountain nor Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't know the one they worship, but the Jews worship out of our experience, for it is the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but the right heart. For God is spirit and he longs to have sincere worshippers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. I want to tell you that it is not about being in the right place. If you're not at church, if you can't make it on a Sunday, that's, that's okay. But put some effort into engaging in discipleship, being discipled and discipling. Go to a small group. Find an opportunity to gather with the brethren because that is important, yeah? So maybe find a small group or maybe grab, like, call someone and have a conversation on the phone or go and have a coffee. It's a fair stretch to assume that the whole world can be available on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. That's a design flaw, if you ask me. If people can't be Christians because they can't get to church at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, that's weird. But it's not about where. But I want to point out, just take a demonstration from Jesus Read the word and really reflect on it, question it, talk about it, think about it. Because how Jesus treated this woman, he shouldn't have even been talking. The, the disciples actually came back and saw him talking to her and were like, what is he doing? Yeah. Right? And they just talked amongst themselves. I don't know what they said, but well, let's not judge. 
But you know what else? He, just the last bit of this story, about, and, and I think this highlights the importance of discipleship, is that when the disciples came back, they said to him, they said, Jesus, we brought you food, like you asked. And he said, I've eaten a meal that you don't know about. And the translation of that word meal actually means nutrients or nutrition, but it's also a homonym for kingdom. And what Jesus is demonstrating here is that he had a moment of discipleship with this woman and it nourished him and it nourished her. Discipleship is being the church. And when you walk with intention in your relationships and disciple from the living water inside you, you will be nourished. And so will the community. And we can, it's very easy to focus on Sunday morning service. And then it's very easy to start feeling like, oh, they didn't talk to me or I don't feel connected. Oh, I'm, I'm you know, nobody, nobody sees me. It's very easy to start to feel isolated sometimes if your faith is just built around this one interaction in your week. And I would suggest that if you feel like that, maybe you need to ask yourself, am I being the church or am I just trying to do church? Because if you're being the church, you are reflecting on His Word and it's going deep into you. If you're truly seeking God, then you will find Him. And when you're elevating the truth in your life, you will naturally demonstrate it. You won't have to try to demonstrate it. You will naturally demonstrate it because it will renew your mind. And you will feel nourished by that demonstration and that living Word that you are walking out. Let's enter this moment of worship together and really think about the words that we're singing. And when you go home today, I really want you to, to find some moments, a daily moment to reflect upon a truth or maybe to reflect upon something that you weren't comfortable with but to deepen your understanding to knock on that door because he will open it for you let's meet with god i'm excited this is the time and you know what one last one last thing when you are being the church you have an opportunity to be the church that you want the church to be CareNet is birthed out of me and a few others being the church that we wanted the church to be. If you are here, part of this church, if you are part of any church and you are unhappy with the church you were part of, be the church you want the church to be. Don't do church, be church. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your savior, then I would love to invite you to do that now. 
Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected? We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.